Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you about the day after Christmas. And here's one question. How many of you, once Christmas takes place, you're done? You're, anybody done? Anybody already take down your tree? Yeah, yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, one year, uh, it was a real special Christmas. The afternoon of Christmas Day, our tree went down and our lights came down. And okay, Christmas is over. Some of you going to linger, though? You're going to leave your stuff up? Till when? After New Year? Valentine's Day. Yeah. There's a couple of houses in Lompoc. I won't say where they are. They leave their lights up all year. And they go out and turn them on, and it's Christmas. You know, the world the day after Christmas was trying to get back to normal, but it would never be the same. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. You ever read that before? Now, there was, there was no iPads, there was no scanners, no computers, no easy feat. Think about this. So I, I looked it up. How many people could have been in Caesar Augustus's part of the Roman world? Four million, 63,000 people. And by the way, the census was done this way. You had to go to your town of origin, your birthplace. So if you lived somewhere else, you had to travel back to your place of origin, get counted, and then go back to where you lived because you wanted to go back to what was normal. Now think about that. I mean, travel was expensive. It was dangerous, as we know, and nothing would ever be normal Again, John 1.14, I want you to read this in your best uh, 928 voice. Let's read it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came. And that's how John summarizes him. He's full of grace and he's full of truth. And from the time Jesus would be born, at the time of his execution, everyone in the story was pretty much a footnote. The kings, the peasants, the common folk, and even Caesar himself. But I want you, if you've got your notes and you want to write something down, great. If not, if you're too tired from Christmas, I understand. Jesus the king has been secreted into the world. Now, the reason I emphasize king is not everyone catches that in the Christmas story. Some people believe he's a religious figure. Other people would say, well, he's just a savior, and that's good. I'm so glad that he saved me and forgave me of my sins. Anyone else? Yeah. But he's not just the savior. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And every other king would make you pay up, whether it was in taxes or even laying down your life for them. But this king comes... In reverse order, he says, I'm going to lay down my life for you. Now, some people, not you, not even our 1045ers, just some people look at Jesus as a, well, get out of jail card or get out of hell card, if I could use that phrase. 
Some use him as a lucky charm. Some use him as the name that they want their food blessed. Lord, bless my food, amen. Lord, bless my travel, amen. Bless my career, amen. Bless my family. Keep us safe, Lord. Keep our military safe. Watch over. And all of that's fine. And Jesus doesn't mind us lofting prayers at him. But he's more than that. And the angel made it clear to Mary, all the way back in Luke 1, verse 30 to 33, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Now watch this. We're going to unpack this for just a moment. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Wow. The son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the, you catch that phrase? The throne of his father, David. We know David was a, a king. And Jesus would come through the Davidic line. And one of the beautiful things to see here is that God not only had him come to be the baby in the manger, but he had him come to be the king capital K, king, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and catch the end. Would you read it with me? His his kingdom will never end. Hey, Mary, the angel says, I'm bringing you a message from God, and I want you to understand who you're about to give birth to. He's coming through the line of the great King David, and he will have his throne, and his kingdom will never, ever, 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 ever end. Mary, you're going to give birth to the king. Sure, a lawgiver, sure, a savior, but he's the king. And the second thing, you can write this down if you want to, Jesus's kingdom will never end. And as Pastor John said, Jesus not only arrived, but he remains. And guess how he remains today? As the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So if you know him, you are connected with the king of the universe. You should, you should sit straight and tall. You, you, you should stand straight and tall. You should kind of puff your chest out and say, I, I'm connected to the king of the universe. And next time you feel down on yourself or next time you don't feel loved, next time you don't feel like you have any great connections in life, just remember who you're connected to. By faith, we are connected to the king of the universe. Jesus is still king. And here's the question, is Jesus my king? My king. Now, not you, but some People of faith have reduced Jesus to a baby in a manger or a religious icon or a cross tattoo on their ankle or on their chest or on their shoulder or maybe cross earrings or maybe a cross on a wall. He gets reduced sometimes to just, well, yeah, he's the one historically that came to earth, but he still lives today. And here's the interesting thing about this king. Other kings would force you to have allegiance to them, not this one. He invites, never intrudes. He knocks on the door, waits for us to open. He invites us to a place of faith. It's up to us to believe. And as I thought about the day after Christmas, I thought about this, that if we do not receive him as king, then it's impossible for us to fully participate in his kingdom. 
You can believe in the Savior who forgives your sins, but not surrender your life fully to him as king. Mary and Joseph knew the secret. A king is coming secreted into the world. Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Why'd they come to Jerusalem? Because they figured if a king was coming, that's where he'd come. He'd come to the center. He'd come to the temple. And so when the wise guys or the wise men show up, right, they follow the star And here's what they ask. Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now, Herod had a plan. Herod had a plan that his kids would take over his kingdom. Now he's worried. He knows a king has come. Now, something I studied about the Magi, by the way, by the way, we know the song, we three kings, they were not kings. They were magi. They were wealthy individuals, and we don't even know if there were three. We reduce it to three because gold, frankincense, and myrrh, we figure each one brought one, so therefore there'd be three. There could have been two. There could have been 22. We do not know. But they studied the stars to try to get a message from from the gods. They studied ancient texts. They, They knew about the prophecies of Jesus coming. And so they're looking in the star and all of a sudden one of them says, hey, look, there's a star we've not seen before. We know all the stars. They checked their maps and they saw this one star and they figured "Hmm, this star was telling them that a king had been born, the king of the Jews. The problem, when they get to Jerusalem, wrong city, they start asking, where's the king? People go, we've got a king already. His name's Herod. Huh. No, 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 no. The stars are telling us something else. They're speaking of the glory of the Lord, and they're telling us that we need to go find a king. We saw that star. We're looking for the king. They're pretty wise, weren't they? Well, Matthew 2, verse 3 says, when King Herod heard all this, he was disturbed, greatly disturbed. Why? Why? Why all Jerusalem with him? Uh-oh, new kings come to town, kind of like new sheriff in town, kind of like new commander <laughs> on the squadron. Everything's going to change now. Now, there had been birth of prophets. There had been births of rabbis. There had been many. There are even some who said that they were the savior of the world, and that didn't work out. But Matthew 2, 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was born. I submit to you that Herod had a deep suspicion that this too was the king. Why does he use the phrase Messiah? Well, when I looked it up, it says Messiah is the anointed one, the Christ. By the way, Christ is not the second name of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ is a title. And in the literal sense of the word, it means that this is God's, come on, get ready, man. Drum roll. This is God's final king. The term Christ literally means God's final 
king, the Messiah, the anointed one. God had finally come down to earth. And Herod said, please tell me where this has happened. Matthew 2, 6, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This was the prophecy that Micah had written hundreds of years before. So you note takers, Christ is Jesus's title. Jesus, God's anointed one. When a king is born, when a king is born, allegiance is forced upon them. When Jesus the king was born, people must choose. People must choose, are they going to follow him? But can I tell you something? And you might want to share this with your friends and neighbors. When Jesus Christ the king comes again, there'll be no time to choose. Because Philippians 2, 9 and 11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, referring to Jesus, and gave him the name above every name, and at that name of Jesus every knee should, in heaven and on earth and under. Yeah, even that uncle that you know that he tells you he doesn't believe in God, someday his knee will bow. Even that aunt who argues with you about why do you believe in Jesus? Ah, bah, humbug, right? Someday her knee's going to bow. Wow, you're the Lord. And so that's why we encourage people, believe in Jesus, allow him to be your king, surrender your life to him now, do it before it's too late. You know, C.S. Lewis, some of you like C.S. Lewis. I love his writings. So amazing. And one book talks about the king, Jesus, and in that book is this quote. Now, today, this moment is our chance to choose. God is actually holding back to give us that chance. It will not last forever. We must take it or leave it. Jesus offers salvation. Jesus offers us to surrender to him as king of kings and lord of lords. Matthew 2, 4, when he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah was to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. Hmm. And then in verse uh, 7 and 8 of Matthew 2, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He's concerned. He's frustrated. He feels like he's going to lose his kingdom. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. When did the star appear? How old could this king be? You see, the kingdom of Jesus would not be of this earth, but it would be for this earth. The kingdom of Jesus would not be of this earth, but it would be for this earth. And his kingdom is more than when you die, you get to go to heaven. Well, that's great news. But that you can experience life and life more abundant now. And so that we can participate, I used that phrase earlier, in his kingdom. 
So we can invest in people, in relationships. We can invite people to our Savior. We can invite them to church. We can invite them to online experience. We can invite them to conversations about their faith and what they believe. I thought it was really cool the other night we played the video, if you were here for Christmas Eve, and Pastor John and I went to the Boys and Girls Club, and we were asking all the young ones over there, what matters most to you at Christmas? And the one young guy leans into me and says, what matters most to you? I thought, isn't that cool? Hey, I wonder what would it be like in the coming weeks if, if you prayed about a conversation with someone you know, and just asked them this question, what matters most to you in life? You could use that. Or would it be okay if we have a conversation about your faith? What do you believe? You might be shocked to find out what someone believes. In my first church uh, in Silmar, California, we had a vice president of Lockheed Aircraft before Lockheed and Martin merged. He was a big wig, mucky muck, big guy. He was like one of the top three VPs, Lockheed Burbank. You might remember SR-71, Blackbird. You might remember L-1011, commercial aircraft. Amazing aircraft came out of that facility in Burbank. And this guy was a part of my church. His name was Tom. Well, I remember a few years into my ministry there that this gentleman and his wife came to church, and I greeted him at the front, and he looked down the aisle and said, Tom? And he said, yeah, Joe. They looked at each other, Tom, you go to church? They worked together for 18 years. Joe never knew that Tom went to church, let alone that Tom had any faith in Jesus Christ. And I watched that as a young pastor, and I thought, Lord, may that never be true of the people that I get to lead. That people that work with you, the people that live on the same street, that people maybe live in the same house, don't even know that you're a person who's surrendered your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tom and Joe went to lunch that day. Tom took him out as a guest, first-time guest. Pretty cool, Tom. I sure hope that day that they had a conversation about faith. A few weeks later, I asked Joe about his faith. He scratched his head, and he said, Tom never told me what he believed. I said, Joe, God gave you that real-life illustration so you won't be like Tom. <laughs> and you'll tell people about your faith that you won't be embarrassed. The kingdom of Jesus would not be of this earth, but it would be for this earth. The call of the New Testament is not just to enter in, but to participate in the kingdom right now. Would you say it with me? The kingdom, oh, wait, yeah. No, next one, sorry. Next one, yeah. We are called to not simply believe in, but to participate in the kingdom of God. Now, if that grammar is not perfect, I rewrote it four times, that's what you get. <laughs> but you and I were called. Oh, I believe in Jesus. There's more than that. No, I participate in his kingdom. And years later, Jesus would ask some misfits, some fishermen, a question, will you follow me? 
He didn't say, will you believe in me? You won't find that in the Gospels. Hey, Matthew, you believe in me? No, he says, will you follow me? If you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I will give you a place to participate in my kingdom. And the day after Christmas calls to us to participate in the kingdom. Why? Because Jesus is a king to be followed. He's a king to be followed. Now, I don't want to insult anyone's theological intelligence here. But Jesus is more than a sin forgiver. You glad he forgave your sins? Yeah. If he hasn't yet, you better get on the ball. Just believe in him. He dies on a cross. He sheds his blood. He rises again from the dead. And Romans 10 tells us if we believe that and we confess it with our lips, we're saved. Yay! But he calls us to participation. Take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? Hmm. Follow his plan. Follow his purpose. We are called to not simply believe in, but to participate in the kingdom of God. And on Christmas, we celebrate the birth of a king. And on the day after Christmas, I think he asks us a question. Am I your king? Am I your king? It's interesting, um, believers in the first century, they participated. They followed him. They cared about what he cared about. And here's what happened to those wise men, those magi, Matthew 2, 11. On coming to the house, now, we always picture them at the manger in the stable, but notice... They came to a house. I'm sorry, I ruined your nativity scene, didn't I? They came to the house and they saw the, oh, he's not called a baby anymore, a child. Some scholars believe it was six months after. Some believe it was a year after. Some believe a year and a half. Some believe that Jesus was already two years old by then. He's a toddler. He's playing with the boxes more than the toys. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down. Wow. And they worshiped him. Bowing down was reserved for kings. Worshiping was reserved for God. And they saw in this child both a king and the divine. A divine king and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and he cared more about the box. They bowed down. And John would later tell us that Jesus was all grace and all truth. And later in 1 John, he would say, Jesus was all love. Grace, truth, and love. The fourth thing I want you to see, and I'm going to wrap up soon, don't worry. Jesus, a kingdom in conflict with the world's kingdom. And the Lord's way and the world's way has always been in conflict. And I don't think much will change. The scriptures, the guidebook, 
the roadmap for life. And the world's way will always be in conflict. I don't think much will change. I have people tell me all the time, I pray that the whole world will be saved. I think that's a great prayer. I pray it too. But I doubt it will happen. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because the kingdom of this earth and the kingdom of God are always in conflict. You know how I know that? Because they're in conflict inside of me. Paul the apostle says, the things I want to do, I don't do. (laughs) Oh, wretched man that I am, right? Who shall deliver me? Paul says, I can't deliver myself. And then he goes on to say, I thank God for Jesus Christ. He's our deliverer. He's the one that gives us power over sin and bad choices and hatred and prejudice and all the rest. So when Herod realized, verse 16, that he'd been outwitted by the Magi. Remember the Holy Spirit led the Magi another way? He told the Magi, come back. I want to find out where the king is. He was furious. And he gave orders to to kill all the boys in Bethlehem. I think the star was there. uh, Let's go for two years. Every boy Two year and under. What an atrocity. What conflict with the kingdom of God? It's right here. And since sin entered the world, world, this kind of craziness happens all the time. I want you to kill every two-year-old boy in Bethlehem and its vicinities in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Isn't that horrible? Moms, dads have their kids snatched from their hands. And as horrible as that is, we know this, at the end of the earthly life of Jesus, the worst possible thing happened to the best possible person. Jesus was executed. Now, you and I know why, for our sins. But in the minds of the leaders of that day, Pontius Pilate and the rest, they wanted him out of the way because he was a threat to who they were. In the first century, Rome had a statement. I I found this. I thought it was something you'd want to hear. You can worship any god you want, but you must obey Caesar. If you want to worship a rock, go for it. If you want to worship God, go for it. A lowercase God, go for it. An idol, if you want to worship yourself, go for it. But obey Caesar. And the citizens of Antioch were not changing their religion, but they were changing their allegiance. Now, why do I bring up Antioch? Because Acts 11.26 says, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. They were followers of Jesus. And there were all kinds of gods and leaders you could worship. You could worship Herod. You could worship Zeus. You could worship whoever. And Herod saw this coming, and he chose to resist. But these guys, these guys in Antioch, there was something different about them. Oh, by the way, sorry, I might offend somebody here. That's okay. 
They were pro-Jesus. They were not anti-government. They honored and prayed for Herod, even though their allegiance was to a different king. They paid their taxes. Sorry. That's why the census was happening, because the government wanted more taxes. But oh, how they loved. And people that participate in the kingdom of God are people who love. They don't build walls. They build bridges. They don't keep people out. They invite people in. They have no prejudice, no hatred. And sorry, they're not anti-government. Boy, it's quiet in here now. They're pro-Jesus. And pro-Jesus people are filled with the Holy Spirit because John 1, 4, 5 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Why? Because of his kingdom, there will be no end. You and I are called to be lights in this dark world. When this place on Christmas Eve was full of lights, candle lights, and Wax was flying everywhere. <laughs> it was. We were reminded of the light of Jesus, just like these candles have been lit through our Advent season, reminding us that Christ came, our hope, our joy, our peace, our love, and the last candle, his presence. So, Lord, why would we ever resist you why would we ever thrive on our own will rather than your will? God, I first pray for myself that in this coming year, I will follow you like never before. And that you would fill me and you would fill all of us, Lord. We say, Jesus, we believe you were born not just as Savior, not just as a baby in the manger, but as the King of kings and Lord of lords. We receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying for us. Anyone want to say that today? Thank you for dying for us, Lord, and rising again from the dead and alive and well by the power of the Holy Spirit. I desire for you to be my king and for you to rule my life. Would you just tell him that in your own way? I, I desire for you, Lord, to sit on the throne of my heart, to be my king and to rule my life and to use me. I, I give you my allegiance above all else. For of your kingdom, there'll be no end. I'm going to invite you to put your hands out like this. Don't worry. You don't have to become Pentecostal if you don't want to be. Lord, with our hands out, we receive your kingship into our lives. We receive your kingdom into our hands. 
And we ask that with these hands we will participate in your kingdom. We ask that we use these hands to extend your grace and mercy to others around us. To those that need a hand up, those that need a hand out, for those that need a, an embrace, a hug, whatever it may be, Lord, in the season ahead, may you use these hands as your extension. And now I'm going to raise my hands. You can do the same. We declare that you are the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship you, we adore you, we surrender our lives unto your kingship. And we pray the very words that you taught us, Jesus, to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But most of all, in us. We invite your will, we invite your purpose, and we adore you, Lord. Now as we go our way, I pray that God will bless you in the days ahead. And you surrender to him as Lord and Savior and King, that he will use you. And they will walk into and participate in his kingdom. Because of his kingdom... There'll be no end. May his peace be with you. May his grace be with you. May the power of the Holy Spirit be with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, this is a big group hug right here. It's a virtual hug. Bless you all as we get ready to go into this brand new year. 2022. Who would have thunk it? Our prayer team's available down front, your right, my left, if you need prayer. May God richly bless you. Happy New Year. Let's go participate in this kingdom. We'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.